Welcome to the edit. It's uh, your edit of what you need to know this week. Uh, from the desks of Esquire Middle East, uh, I'm Matthew Baxter-Priest, and as always, joined on this very happy New Year edition by my fellow editors, Nasri Atala and William Mullally. How's it going, boys? Happy New Year to you both. Happy New Year. Although, I think... What's the cutoff point? That's the thing, yeah. Like, Larry David famously said that, like, you got three days. Three days is all you got. What's the day? The, the, so, the, today the, is the fourth the, we are recording this. I don't know. I think it's like you've got like the first month and t- if you haven't seen someone. Months Who's close? Who's month, close to know. you? I think week. Yeah. I think week is fair. But what happens if like there's a, you know, some idea for any of us, but I don't see all my friends the first year of New Year, the first week of New Year's, right? Okay. Maybe by the... I think there's a distinction. Strangers, mm. stop about now. Mm. And friends, you can keep saying it until the end of the month. Do you do like the post-ironic thing as well, where you're just like, Happy New Year. Are you even allowed to say that anymore? Yeah, fair. Or like, I haven't seen, or like the dad jokes. I haven't seen you since last year. Nice. There you go. Nice. Yes. Into yeah. it. Uh, how was New Year's? <laughs> were, were, you guys, were you guys in the country? Where were, uh, what, were you, what, were your, what were your plans? I am like a Jomo person, for sure. Joy of missing out. So no, I was like, I had dinner with my friend. He's like, come on, let's go party. I'm like, no. I'm going to be on my couch hearing people screen out my window. <laughs> that's what's going to happen, and that's what did happen. That's how I wanted it. Alone? Just alone. Nice. I've got to respect that, honestly. We, we went for like a, just a party at a friend's place, and, and, we're, and I was like and really enjoying it. Then when we go home, my wife was like, we're not doing this again. We're staying home <laughs> next year. <laughs> I was, like, really? I was like, it was fun. She's like, yeah, but just the cab getting back. Like, We've always been very anti-New Year's. I've, I don't think I've been to a thing in like 15 years. And this is your first like <laughs> Dubai New Year. Which people take it really seriously. Here. Exactly. Like, I haven't seen it taken this seriously. And uh, like the fireworks, the events, like the country, sh- like the city shuts down. Possible to get a cab. Like literally the roads close for the fireworks. I mean, it's... Uh, it's intense. So yeah, I think next year is going to be on the couch, honestly. Well, I will uh, I will reveal mine a little bit, a little bit later. As a, I was going to say, because you did something fun. Exactly. There's a little bit of a hook for uh, for a later segment that we're going to get onto. Um, but uh, other than that, that's a good start to the 2023. We're going to jump in with some news, views, and shoes. So this segment is uh, famously about anything uh, that newsworthy that comes across our desks here at Esquire Middle East. Um, there's been one rather big story over the past week or so that is uh, there was a little foreshadowing for it during the World Cup. Um, and as our eyes and attention was all focused on Qatar and the events that were happening there during the World Cup, there was a little side story of, of a, a certain Cristiano Ronaldo um, I mean, there's a lot of news here, really. But uh, what what of this wonderful circus have you guys uh, enjoyed the most over the past couple of weeks as he was announced as the new marquee signing of Saudi Pro League team Al Nasser? It is absolutely fascinating. Like, every aspect of this, every second that he's sitting there, the way he interacts with people. Because this is just a massive move in the history of football, but he's also just a fascinating person who is clearly one of the most famous people on earth. What, he was up to like 538 million followers on Instagram? I think he's the most followed inst- oh, yeah, person yeah, on Instagram, sense. right? I think so, yeah. I think he might be the most followed person on social media on the planet. The most famous person on earth, but also there is there is this sort of aspect where you observe him, but you don't fully understand him. You know, he's not out there like vlogging his every thought, his sure. every, everything. So... 
just figuring out how he's going to react to this. I don't think anyone, I don't think even he knows how he's going to react to all of this. How, how the, the fans, the, the culture, just being the most famous person in a country that is fervently passionate about football that maybe people don't even realize mm. is yeah, as into like, its local. I noticed that during the World Cup, like a lot of people like on, online were just saying, like, oh, I didn't realize Saudi fans were fun and funny. And I'm like, yeah, like they have a real football. Well, first of all, Saudis are really funny, but also like there's this football culture. Like, and I really felt it when I went to the Argentina Saudi game. Like the Saudis were nuts. Like in the stadium, like they they made more noise than the Argentina fans, which is saying a lot. Sure. And so I do think he's stepping into like probably a kind of league. And we did, a, you know, Matt did a little guide on on like who he's going to be playing against with, etc. In the league and. Once you look at it, you realize like it's probably not that. You know, people were saying like oh, it's such a step down from the Premier League, but actually, when you look at it, like it's a pretty competitive league in Asia, and you know, it's probably Asia's century. And like there is something interesting like beyond like Ronaldo. Like I think the place of the Middle East in like sports, and then the place of Asia in sports, and like how things are shifting a bit, and you don't necessarily have to be in. And it is there is precedent with this kind of thing of like, people going to. Um, what is it at the MLS, like a major league soccer? Sure, sure, for the final kind of yeah, for the final act of their that, career sure. or something like that. So it's interesting that like instead of the MLS now, it's you know the, the equivalent is coming to the yeah, golf. Yeah, I mean, there's precedent in that in terms of especially on that specifically. Obviously, you had David Beckham go to LA Galaxy mm. after he left. I think it was Milan or PSG at the time. Uh, I think Milan. Then he did a loan deal back to there. But you had Alessandro Del Piero leave Juventus mm. after 20 years to go to Sydney FC. Um, we've had plenty of players like Iniesta who left Barcelona after an entire lifetime there and moved to Qatar mm-hmm. with Alduhel, I think it is. And so it, it, it is a well-trodden path. You know, Frank Lampard went to New York. Mm-hmm. Andre Pirlo went to New York. It's a, it's a well-trodden path. No one, and, and that's the thing. It's not, no one's, not, it's not that no one has gone to Saudi before. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Bafa Timbi Gomez was at Al-Hilal. Uh, Sebastian Jovinko was our Hilal. And as I said, the, the piece that was up on EsquireMe.com about, you know, other players that you probably know that are, you know, that you probably heard of are, are, are also in the Saudi Pro League. But for Ronaldo, he's, he's, he's in that kind of Mount Rushmore of footballers, yeah. you know, Messi, Ronaldo, Maradona and Pele, mm-hmm. you know, arguably the four greatest to ever do it. Um, the what I think is just fantastic about the story is just the sheer timing and contrast of the Messi story, mm. you know. And obviously, it's we everyone's covered it and written about it and discussed it. But it's that, you know, when going, you know, six weeks ago going into the tournament, it was who is the greatest of all time, and then one ends up with the World Cup, and the other one loses his job halfway through and ends up with an enormous paycheck in Saudi. Yeah. But I don't consider that part of the conversation i don't ronaldo has still got to be considered one of the greatest of all time if not the greatest of all time regardless of who what club he's playing for he's 37 years old if he can have that impact of literally a geopolitical changing impact just by playing football in saudi then like what more bigger statement do you need and like honestly this like feel free to shoot me down on this but my hot take here is that the French league is probably less interesting than the Saudi league. Like it's a one-team league. Sure, like it's Ox- PSG Oxer and then who? Lance on a rainy Sunday is not your <laughs> idea of a great time. <laughs> it's just like it's okay. You've got like all the best players of the world hanging out in Paris, and then what? Nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. not like it's not like um, 
all the other leagues in Europe. And this is probably a league that's ready for its close-up. It's actually competitive. Mm. Sure. It has really passionate fans. They make tons of money, which they're now able to spend extravagantly sure. on a Mount Rushmore player. Mm. And so I feel like it's it's a perfect moment, whereas like David Beckham going to the MLS is, cool, you're going to the eighth most popular sport in the country in a team that really doesn't have any passionate fans has existed for a few years. Sure. This is way different. This is way more entrenched. That's true. That's yeah, and, and look, it's something that you, you brought that up well there, Will, and, and Nasri mentioned it earlier. You know, Saudi football is red hot. Al-Hilal are mm-hmm. Asian Champions League winners last year. Mm-hmm. You know, the best team on the largest continent on the planet. Yeah. Um, the This year already, Al-Nasser, when, when we went into the World Cup break, Al-Nasser were already leading the league. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and they haven't won the league for a few years. So, already top of the table, bringing in Cristiano Ronaldo, Al Shabab are up there as well, like a bit of a resurgence to them. They've got um, a famous Argentinian player, very big in, in Sevilla, called Ed, uh, Eva, Benega. Hmm. Eva Benega. He's, you know, he, uh, the number of times he's played against Ronaldo, you know, is mm. is in the, the dozens and dozens because the talent is there. It's just that people don't know the league. Uh, and the fan base is there, and it's the approachability. And as we said, you know, we we were comp- you know we didn't predict Saudi to beat Argentina, but yeah, as yeah. A, as at Esquire here in the Middle East, we we knew that uh, Saudi had something up their sleeves going into this World Cup, and everyone was going to underrate them. The talent's there, the passion's there. This is going to be wild, honestly. Yeah, I've been wondering like what is kind of week looks like. Yeah, you know, I've been like beyond the football and stuff. Sure. I'm like. Where's he gonna live? Yeah. Where's he gonna have dinner? Where's he? Gonna, you know, I've been trying to like imagine him going around Riyadh, because I think it's gonna be, like, obviously he's one of the most famous people on earth, but like then, he's in Riyadh where, like, I guess if you see Ronaldo in London, maybe you know, or walking around Manchester, like people are, I don't know, like half interested. Mm. Maybe someone will shout something at him, but mm. but like in Riyadh, like he's the most famous person on earth in a city that doesn't, where there aren't like a ton of global celebrities that also live there. Sure. So. That must be like a whole other level of weird of just going like he's gonna be treated like, you know, like Maradona in Naples. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah he won't right. be able to do anything, you know. And it's, so it's gonna be, I think that's gonna be super interesting. What's uh well on that point, you know, the, the I suppose the the hook of this is uh I mean it's it's pretty it's a pretty big hook for Ronaldo moving to Saudi, but is that uh the 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 team at Arabian Business have announced there's a job vacancy for a, a Ronaldo Cristiano Ronaldo reporter. Yeah. Uh, that's an excellent story. Like you know, yeah. that who doesn't want that job if you're a football fan? Um, but do you have to live in Saudi? Who who's read the uh, job posting? So, yeah, yeah. So it's w- going to be Will is our uh, Ronaldo <laughs> correspondent. <laughs> I'm the correspondent of the correspondent. I wrote about it yesterday. Um, so it's going to be full time bilingual in Riyadh mm. at the ITP offices. So Brilliant. it's just his. But every aspect of his life, you have to go to every single game. It's mm-hmm. a requirement, like written out. Mm-hmm. Go to every game. Go to every practice. Probably it's in the fine prints. You should probably follow him to wherever he's getting dinner. Take pictures of their receipts if he's spending a lot of money. <laughs> Hopefully Salt Bay gets over there too so the guys can do something together. And I feel like, you know, it's going to be, it's the off-pitch stuff that's going to be most fascinating. Like sure. That's what I'm, I, I think like there's going to be so many little moments that are going to be so much fun to watch. And I really can't wait to see this unfold. Yeah. Well, you know, watch this space, and uh, and we'll we'll be we'll we're in the. They may have the dedicated reporter, but we will uh, we will tune that news for for Esquire readers. Uh, um, so watch these spaces. Um, what else is uh, what else has popped up on everyone's uh, on, and through anyone's inbox of interest this past couple of weeks? 
Google. Quick Google. Quick Google. Quick. You know, it's, I, I was just telling someone this morning, I don't think I've fully, like this first week back after New Year's, mm. everyone's a bit slow. I can see everyone being a bit slow in the office. Like everyone's just like. No, nah, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> Except us, sharp, sharp. We're sharpshooters yeah, like, from the day dot. What's happening in the new year? There is like a, a, I'm usually in like the film world, you know, mm. mentally speaking. And the big battle right now, I think, is, you know, Glass Onion is the movie that everyone's talking about. Everyone's making memes about mm. the one that seems to have the most cultural significance, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Whereas people don't meme Avatar. People don't, you know, digest Avatar the way we digest a Marvel film. Mm. So there's a lot of people out there who for the last 13 years were saying Avatar doesn't have any cultural resonance. It's not important. The movie's going to flop. No one cares. And it just... It's it's like quoting Twin Peaks. It's happening again. Mm -hmm. Like it's mm -hmm. now at one point five billion dollars nice. in a couple weeks. It's already passed um, the you know Top Gun Maverick for the number one movie of twenty twenty two. It seems like it's just it's not dropping weekend to weekend. It actually went up in its third weekend. Sure. So it's and this is global box office figures. Global box yeah. office. Mm -hmm. It's just. It's doing what only Avatar has done before it and Titanic before it. It's just there's something in the James Cameron sauce that just captures people in a different way. They process it in a different way. It's also this distinction between like what the like Twitter class is like watching and what the real world is watching. 100%. Because if you look at Twitter, Glass <laughs> Onion is the biggest film of all time. But actually like do we know how many people watched Glass Onion, how many people enjoyed it, how many people gave sure. up halfway through like I was tempted to do. Um, it's boring, it's not good. Yeah. Overrated. And I watched it alone. Yeah, we, everyone should check your list of overrated films of 2022. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, can we just jump in with that hot take? Like, <laughs> overrated. You just said it's one of the biggest films of the year and everyone's saying it's a masterpiece and suddenly Malali drops in a... <laughs> Matt being, uh, being overrated. Naz, you were just saying you didn't even finish watching it. Is it a... Um, I did, I did. No, but I mean, like, so no, no, no love here. Like, I'm a, I'm an absolute sucker for a uh, closed door murder mystery. I'm a, I'm a Poirot completist. Right. I'm an Agatha Christieite. I am. Uh, I, I wasn't my favorite, but you know that that sense of mystery and compellingness around it is always a. It's all. It's 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 a slam dunk for me every time. I just I feel like movies need characters. This might be a hot take as well. <laughs> hot take. <laughs> and uh, characters that I can buy into on some level. Like, they can be elevated. Like I loved Amsterdam, which is a very hot take as well, because people hated Amsterdam. Sure. I thought it was some of the best work of Christian Bale's career. So you can do elevated, you can do weird, but it just, you can't believe them at, in any respect. I'm making noises with my phone as I say I don't buy into them. I don't buy into the fact that they were ever friends. I don't buy into that they're friends now. None of their interactions feel organic or like normal people would talk. They feel mm -hmm. like caricatures they feel like just cardboard cutouts that are forced into this very stylized ryan johnson world but i, I feel like it's also just it's not a great mystery but you the, know it's the way it unfolds it's not something that you could predict at the beginning and see and unfold and follow all the little details that's the thing like the first one also had kind of larger than life characters sure. and like a lot of mustache twirling and sure. like you know uh uh, Daniel Craig's like, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, what's the term people are using? Like the drawl, southern fried uh, accent. Like, southern fried you know, accent. It's, it's such a caricature, but it worked. Sure. Like it was. This one just seems like, which often happens with sequels, I guess, is like you're trying to redo what you did the first time and factor in everyone's reactions in your brain before you do it, and mm. think of the memes and all of that, and so you make this thing that's a bit get the celebrity drop bys. Yeah, like you know, drop into the Surrey for like. 10 seconds. Yeah, Serena Williams, <laughs> yeah, Serena Hugh Williams. Grant. And you're like, okay. Like, I just thought it was a bit 
airless. Like it was fun. I mean, you know, whatever. Like, it was fun to watch. It was sure. like, nice and sunny, and you know, and like as individuals, like everyone was a, kind of fun. But as the whole thing, and I and I had that, and I was look at Twitter and go like, am I alone? Like, am I, have I lost the plot? Like, because everyone seems to like love this and participate. Mm. But I think it's like one of the. It's like White Lotus. Like whether you enjoy it or not. Like you want to participate in the memes and the fun around it, mm. and there are those types of shows. And like you said, like Avatar, this is the kind of thing that is not at all in that. And even Top Gun, to some extent, even though everyone like said they liked it very publicly, it wasn't like there was like a big like meme generation like around it. It was just like yeah, I went to the movies, great movie. People you know? th- thirsted after Miles Teller for about five minutes. That was basically its cultural resonance, but it's still it's amazing. I mean, slight pivot into Top Gun. Yeah. The uh, who were the enemies? Oh, no oh that's the best part. Like that's and that's fascinating. Like, right? That movie it Vermont. I think. It's, <laughs> the it's just it's the great. St- the independent state of Vermont. It's great trash. Like it seems like they're implying some vague Middle Eastern co- country, and then it's just mountainous and and snowy, and it's yeah. just like no, it just. They're like, is it the Russians? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's the idea. The military needs an enemy, but we don't want to name one. Yeah. So it just they didn't even, bad guys. At least, you know, in the, at least in the eighties, we used to like make up names of countries. Yeah, hundred You know. Yeah. Like, at least do that. Now they were just like, here is an unnamed country. You know who it is. Um, and genius. then they, uh, and then they, but they, who have more advanced technology than the US Army. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. someone was like, is it North Korea? But hang on, like, why do they have, like, you know, weapons no one's ever heard of before? Sure. You know? So I'm like, sure. okay, sure. Like, it reminded me a little really bit matter. of a, it reminded me a little bit of Mighty Ducks 3, where you were just <laughs> like, where the small underdogs of the USA uh, were against that dastardly Iceland, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Iceland, the heavy favorites, Iceland. It's great names, too, yeah. like Wolf, the dentist, Stanton. <laughs> Love that. That's the bad guy to Mighty Ducks, too. This is how my brain works. I don't know why these things stick. The real enemy in Top Gun is, is yourself. And you're, you nice. Know, I think that's... Nice. Like your own. And aging. And aging. Yeah. Yeah. It, honestly, age, I think, is the big villain of that movie. Although... Next Val Kilmer is not going to take down Tom Cruise. I did have a kind of a little bit of a... At the, at the end of it, there was... The, you know, they shot down this unknown yeah. country's planes, which... And then they arrived back on the aircraft carrier and they were high-fiving each other. And they just openly declare an act of war. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. So that's... Well, the country doesn't exist, so it's Yeah, fine. fine. All right, fine. Totally fine. Anyway, okay. the... Um, so, the... the Circling back around creatively, um, what is the what is that secret sauce to use your words for James Cameron's Avatar? Like, why is you know we've we've said like it's one point five billion dollars. You know, we've all we're all going to watch it mm. one way or another. What is the appeal? It can't just be like we saw the we saw the last one fifteen years ago and we. I mean, we I, want it is, back. This is going to sound very cringe. He makes you believe. Like, literally, that's it. And a lot of that comes down to the same things we're talking about with, like, Knives Out. Like, the, the fundamentals of Knives Out, the thing that he forgot to do with Glass Onion is he's like, okay, I need to make these characters, like, interact in a way that just makes you, like, care about them in some way. So you have Christian Plummer, uh, Christopher Plummer, sorry, who the older man, the, the stodgy guy who's about to die, have this great interaction with his nurse, um, Ana de Armas, mm. and you care. And the second you find out maybe she's the killer, maybe she's good or she's bad, I'm sorry, I'm spoiling this movie for you. It's this just five-year-old movie. You're both connected to them. You care about him and you're worried about her or you're sure, not sure we can trust, but you care. Like, it's just so human. And I feel like James Cameron is able to kind of, you know, take the, the work of him being a father and interacting with his kids and observing them very keenly. So you have these archetypal characters in Avatar, but, like, you believe these teenagers. You believe this person. You believe this, like... 
bumbling father who's not really sure what he's doing. He's not really sure how to be a father. He's not really sure how to be a hero, but he's, he's trying his best. Feels real, even though he's 10 foot tall and blue <laughs> and on a magical planet. And nothing really makes any sense. But he also like still can't even use a bow and arrow because he's just not that good at it. Like It's just... All of it, you, you care about these people, you, like, you're with them on this journey. And as it, like, I, I think he said in another interview that wasn't mine, which just makes me a bit resentful, that he threw out the first draft of it that he wrote for a year just because it didn't feel like it was coming from a place that was just unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the best creatives are able to just kind of capture something that feels right mm-hmm. without really thinking that it's right. Whereas a movie like Glass Onion, just feels like someone thought it all out and it was bulletin board and it was a bunch of post-it notes but there's no like secret deep emotional sauce there's nothing past Mm. the the frontal cortex whatever i just smashed my face on (laughs) that part is really good for those movies but there's nothing behind it and i feel like that that thing behind it is what the world can connect to Mm. not mental not mental the there is always a space for a glass onion though isn't there that little bit of it's popcorn, right? And, and and not in terms of like a popcorn move, but it's that little, it's that fest, it's that visceral treat. It's the bright colors, it's the fast cuts, it's the oh look, there's Serena Williams, like it's. And it came out, you know, like the week between Christmas and New Year's, where everyone's like kind of uh, sitting at home. Is that right? I oh, time to absolute perfection. Didn't oh, yeah, they drop time. it on like Boxing Day or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, yeah. time to perfection. It it gives you, the, you know, there's. You know, people are screenshotting like crazy, coming up with the memes. So it's like a, it's like a culture making like machine that doesn't necessarily make it a film. Mm. So it's it's being memed the same way you'd meme something funny happening on the news or something, you know, um, or someone saying something weird in an interview or something mm. like that. It feels more akin to that than to like a film I'll rewatch or like tell someone they should watch or something. I'd much. I, I'm happy to just consume the memes without even. Like, you know, I would have <laughs> you're, happy you're, to consume you're a two, those without you're, watching it. You're a two-screen TV watcher, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a recommendation for you, though. Go. If you like these, on Disney Plus, there's a movie called See How They Run. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times it? already. It's really good. Yeah. Right? Watched it, enjoyed it so much that I made someone else watch it as well. I'm writing this. Great, down. like Agatha mm. Christie. Like it's it's very on purpose. Like it's basically a locked room mystery that happens backstage during the mouse trap. Oh, yes, I mm. heard about this. I need to watch this. It's yeah, it's kind of excellent. And it's a great... Uh, it, Sam Rockwell's in it, and it's, so uh, he's just great. Adrian Brody, Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Great cast. Saoirse Ronan's actually incredible in it, to be fair. But, yeah. you know, she's like a China doll. She's just she's so good. Just actually, incredible. On the uh, subject of this, like, something like Only Murders in the Building mm. also does this very well, where, like, everyone's a bit of a caricature of, like, an Upper East Side New Yorker, a caricature of a failed theater director, a caricature of this, but it works because everyone's like fun. The chemistry is really good. Mm. It's uh, good writing, though. That the writing's very the writing good. Split. You have, you know, and like that is another example of like where the like elevated, like not not really the real world mm. thing can work, but like just has to be well put together. Yeah, someone literally sat down and thought, how do I make? Like Selena Gomez believably hang out with Martin Short. Yeah. Mm. You know, they thought about that as a problem and mm. solved yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Although the other problem was how do we stop like Martin Short and Steve Martin just having the best relationship on the planet? <laughs> yeah. well, I love seeing those guys together. I'm real glad they're like best friends in real life. It's just, it shows. It's, it's incredible. Um, the, it's such a good segue into the main bit of what we're going to be talking about today. But, but before that, I want to add in a little prelude. Uh, and uh, drop in the return of our regular Elon Musk watch. Mm-hmm. The uh, we like for new listeners, we like to uh, 
every every uh, week talk about the latest news from Elon Musk in our even our Elon Musk evilometer. God, it's been a while. <laughs> Got that out eventually. Um, where is Elon on the evilometer this week? Is he evil? Is he good? Uh, what has he been up to? Let's call it the last couple of weeks uh, and give the guy New Year's grace. Um, but where are we? What's the latest news on uh, the? The ever-present CEO of Twitter. I feel like we've landed on sad. Mm. It's, it's more the sadometer. It's like now it stopped being like fun to dunk on him. Even like even the people that are making jokes on him, it's just like, come on, guys, it's too, it's too. He's already dead. Like stop. Yeah, I, I saw I saw you say that he's lost two hundred billion dollars. Like he's the person to have lost the most money yeah. ever. I mean, he still has like one hundred thirty billion, so I'm sure he's fine. But um, I listened to a podcast actually, Kara uh, Swisher, who's a tech reporter. She has her podcast, um, and she was talking to her producer, and basically her producer was interviewing her because she's covered him for 20 years, like since he started like X or, and worked at PayPal and did all this stuff. And she sounded sad, actually. She's like, at this point, she's like, I just don't know what he's... She's like, it's like Howard Hughes seeing it live mm. because he's not a dumb guy. He's smart. He can be thoughtful. Mm. Obviously, he's a bit brash and stuff, but he's, you know. Oh, he's inspirational. Yeah, he's yeah, he used innovative. To be he's like, disruptive. what is happening? Mm. He's like, I just really hope he comes back from this. And I think we've all, like, kind of landed on, like, this is not fun anymore. <laughs> like, this yeah. is uh, a bit, yeah. Well, I, I, well, I you know what? I, I, the last bit of news I was checking in with him on was the poll that he did Should I sell mm. Twitter? Uh, but I didn't check the results. So what were the results? Yeah, it was that? voted that he should step down as CEO, and he ignored it for a few days. And I was like, "Come on, guys, what are you doing?" He's just like, "As soon as I find someone who's like willing to do the job, crazy enough to do it, or crazy enough to do it, yeah." Which is yeah, sure. But, uh, then he, but then he's like, "But I'll stay in charge of software and server." And I'm like, "Okay, so what are you really doing? So you'll report into the CEO? Like that's a bit weird." Yeah, it's like when Putin like became prime minister and like. And president. Like, kept the same office. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, we have a president now. He's in the the, the closet down the, the, the road. Like, just have him I don't, know if there. You, don't know if you can say he's in the closet. Uh, that's, uh, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. No. Um, <laughs> the, fine, well, poor old Elon, we'll put him on sad this week. Um, so, not necessarily evil, not necessarily good, just Come on, sad. bro. <laughs> yeah, come on. Find your, this isn't fun. Come mm. on, put up your put up your dukes. Yeah, let's have a little fight. Yeah, yeah you, do, do the rocket stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah the are you stuff. are you okay, bro? Yeah, yeah. The uh, cool. Well, thanks, guys. We'll be back um, with the main event just after this. Cool. So, welcome back to the main event of the podcast. Um, this week, it's a, a little bit of a two-stepper. Uh, over the past few months, as you could tell from the previous uh, conversation we were just having, there's a lot of expertise and knowledge in the film and TV industry in the Esquire editorial staff. Uh, so we put that to best use, and we compiled uh, not an exhaustive list, but certainly a list of influential, uh, well, 40 influential Arabs working in film and TV in the industry, both regionally and globally, um, and really wanted to highlight them with the impact that they've had and the impact that they will have in the coming year. We call it the uh, well, Naz. It's uh, you're the you're the the mice, the mastermind of this list. Why don't you uh, why don't you line it up? Yeah, so it's the Esquire Forty. Um, 
It was just kind of a nod because we realized, obviously, like, you know, I used to work in film and TV. Uh, uh, Will obviously has spoken to, like, so many people, like, over the past year and a few years. Like, and increasingly, I, from what I can see, like, in the region. And we just thought it was, it's just like a moment where um, we're... If you take the global industry, like we're represented in the UK, we're represented in the US, and obviously in the region, we're doing bigger and better things than ever. And it just feels like there's a moment happening. So it felt like the right time to put together a list. Obviously, these kind of lists are never exhaustive, so you're always leaving people out. We focused on actors and directors, producers. So obviously, that leaves out writers, composers, everyone like below the line, like craftspeople, you know, really like. There's so many hundreds of people go into making anything possible on film and, in film and TV. Uh, but for us, it was just like a nice little place to start to just acknowledge that there's something really exciting going on. And we also tried to make it not just like a list, you know, exhaustive list of people who have you know, contributed and gotten us where we are today, but focus on just this as a moment. Mm -hmm. You know, like who has in 2022 mm. done something to really move things forward, to push like either on their own personal level or just on the the art form overall, and who is going to be, you know, poised to do something great in 2023. So this way, because there's so many legends out there, yeah. like, that would be our entire list. Mm. You know, how would you leave these people off? Because they're everything. But, you know, we really felt like, okay, let's zoom in. Who right now is moving the conversation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's almost and that who would we draft right now, right? Yeah, so that list yeah. is coming out end of this week. So people will be able to go through that on our website, on esquireme.com. Uh, it's in the January issue, so you can pick that up and have a look through that as well. Um, so we won't spoil any of that. Like we'll, we'll let you go find that out. But Maybe a slight spoiler. Slight, slight spoiler. spoiler. There is someone on that list who's pretty obvious, who's Rami Youssef, who's our January cover star, who will get uh, caught up with in a Brooklyn diner, which obviously is my favorite like setting for <laughs> a profile. <laughs> we, you know, pastrami sandwich. Uh, I, I like. I went full like corned beef and hash. There you go. Rami Youssef, uh, writer, actor, creator of the TV series Rami on OSN. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, well, it jumps around because it's a Hulu original. It's A24 produced it. So it's, it's like it's on OSN. I think it's also on, on Stars Play. It's, but really, I think it became just globally popular for anyone who not only is in the Arab community, but also is just kind of like a third culture kid because it's the first mm. show that really zoomed in on that perspective. You know, what's it like to grow up in a culture that is not necessarily your own while also, you know, living with a family who's really keeping the, the, that identity alive, that spirituality as a part of their lives, and everyone around them doesn't. You know, you're in this very, like, closed off but also very open community, and you're navigating that on a personal and a societal level. And so Rami is really uh, very much a show it's about. It's about faith. It's about, you know, being Arab. It's about being Muslim. It's about just being someone who doesn't really fit in in the world and who is trying to be a better person. And the struggle that that takes and the backstepping and the backsliding of, you know, trying to move yourself forward and not really knowing what the right answers are, constantly searching for them, making mistakes along the way. And it's really, I think, as a show, gotten better and better and made its own mistakes and corrected them. So there's this kind of meta story that mirrors um, the actual output of the show, which is really fascinating. And he's gotten to a point where he's gone from this you know, cool stand-up who has this sort of you know, niche story that he needs to tell to someone who's also kind of become the you know, starting point that a lot of things are already growing from. We've yeah. seen he co-created Mo with, with Mo Amr, which is on a lot of people's you know, best of lists for the year. Um, became, I think, a really cult hit on Netflix already. 
the you know director of a lot of the episodes of the first two seasons, Chris Storer, created a little show called The Bear. Um, also on that list. <laughs> one of our favorites of the mm. year, yeah. Yeah, he, he like basically declared like Chris Storer is now like an honorary Muslim. <laughs> but also he's like, don't print that, but don't worry, he said on the record, so I'm allowed to say it. Um, but uh, I think really Rami has put his sights on where things are going from here. He said, you know, season four is going to be the last season of Rami. And he's looking at what the next steps are going to be, not only for himself, where he's, you know, taking a couple for himself. He's going to be starring in Yorgos Lanthimos' next film. Awesome. With just, you know, Willem Dafoe and Emma Stone. Like, it's just insane. Um, I guess coming out next November. He's going to be, you know, creating this new animated series, a sort of, you know, adult animated um, series with um, Pam Brady, who did, you know, South Park, Hamlet 2, you know, great um, creator in her own right. And... Really, he's also just looking for who he can help lift up with his production company, Cairo Cowboy. And he wants to be able to, I think, take voices, use whatever he's learned, like apply those lessons, but be able to use that to center other people and center other perspectives. Because Rami is not... That, uh, I think a lot of the argument around Rami and its first season and its second were around the fact that since he's the only person that's really telling a Muslim um, Arab American story, why isn't he telling the all-encompassing story? Why is this your story? Why is this your perspective? This is how you see things, but I see things different. And he's like, okay, great. Mm. We need to get to the point where all those different perspectives, the same way that you know any other faith, any other identity has a million different expressions of that, mm. we can get there too. Mm -hmm. And let's do that right now. And it's really all about getting to step two, three, four, five, six. And what does that look like? And he knows that he even can't envision what that can look like, but that's super exciting. And so I think, you know, Rami, okay, yes, we're coming off the best season of the show, but I think sitting down with him at this diner, I really figured out that the real story is starting now. And that made this so much more exciting. And really, I think the perfect time to not only put him on our list, but to zoom in on, okay, what is exactly his, his, his path forward and where are things going from here? Because I don't think that's just Rami's story. I think that's the story of, you know, where Arab film and television is going. And beyond that, you know, a lot of different voices and cultures that have been underserviced who now are able to step into the spotlight and kind of like decentralize um, perspective, which is super fun to watch and will be super fun to continue to watch grow. Cool. Let's, uh, yeah. let's hear a clip. How would you define that growth on a personal level, not just like a career level? Getting married, got like you're in a very different place. Like, yeah. where do you feel like? How do you take stock in where you're at in terms of your own personal development? I think if I think about what my parents really tried to instill in me, probably above all, was uh, there was a big cherishing of the concept of balance in my house like I think that that was something I could really hear my dad talk about a lot when I was a kid if I think about what he was constantly trying to impart and I think part of that was in his own attempt to balance like like I, I think a lot about uh, how similar me and my dad's journeys are there's something about even for him moving and he, he didn't do anything obviously in entertainment but you know he, 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 you know, moved. There's something about, I think, the, the, the person who immigrates to America that, that's very 
hopeful <laughs> and, it, and it has that like spiritual I don't know what's going to happen you know and I think um, I felt that a lot in, in stepping into uh, a career where yeah I think I'm, I'm was always hoping to figure out you know is there a way that I can do this and still maintain balance still maintain um, what I care about still maintain integrity you know on a level and um and so I think, like, even over the last 12 years, it's, it's been that thing of how do you keep growing and expanding professionally, but also personally. And I think that, um, for me, it's been a really interesting thing to go from, you know, we used to just, like, walk around New York begging people to watch our sketch comedy show. Like, that's that's just what it was. It was like, please come watch the sketch comedy show. Handing out flyers. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was, I had flyers. You know, like, I was just, like, straight up walking around with flyers. Begging, um, please, you. Please, please come and, like, you know, just asking friends to buy tickets so that the theater would give us more dates. And so there's this, like, there's this interesting thing, I think, um, when the work is personal, too, where, like, everything can easily become about the work because all your friends are doing it, too, and, like, it all kind of becomes one big thing. And, um, and so I think I continue to kind of try and figure out, yeah, how do you balance that? How do you balance the, uh, the parts of it that are fun, the parts of it that are laborious, the parts of it that are ambitious and then the parts of you that you know just wants to yeah I just want to be in my relationship or I just want to be with my family or I just kind of want to do it you know so I think like for me uh, I think now I kind of am in this place of there was this initial like big 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 push for ambition to just kind of even get something on the board and then and, and that hasn't really gone away like I don't even think I'm in terms of like in my career of what I've made or whatever like I in my mind like in my body I'm like oh cool now I'm just getting started like that's what it feels like to me I don't feel like I'm like oh great like I you know and it's not to belittle anything that's happened but it just genuinely feels like a beginning um but I think part of this beginning and getting to like um getting to make you know these shows plural now and do all that is, is, is part of that is like okay now because I'm getting to be in a flow of actually doing it I, I, I really gotta balance out like these other parts of my life you know like how my like I, I'm, I'm, I'm entering on like year open ended of like not having like an actual vacation like I've done like like a couple of like uh, three day weekend getaways <laughs> but like I haven't like you know since I've started making the show I have not had like two, three weeks where I'm genuinely not working, like, hasn't yeah. happened, and I think, you know, I think a lot of people in this country don't ever get a time, you know, get time to take time off or do anything like that, so I'm, I'm not, um, but, but I think, yeah, I think, I think it's like, I'm always chasing that, I think I'm always chasing that, that ideal that, that I think we're probably just slowly trying to get better at while we're here, I don't know that, you know, 
it's probably hard to like fully achieve outside of like a monastic lifestyle. But yeah. then even the monastic lifestyle in and of itself is a bit imbalanced because it's a bit removed from you know <laughs> the rest of society. And so yeah, like carving yeah. out your place in life, you're kind of giving up your place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I got that. It's kind of like the LCD sound system. All my friends arc. You know that song? No got a lyric like you spend the first five years trying to get what you want and then the next five years trying to be with your friends again it's great wow right that's it's that yeah it is that oh yeah and it's yeah it's tough too it is that and also getting yourself to a place when like you can properly like appreciate that and like be a good friend like be a good partner yes it's a whole different journey you know like i, I would say like the last two years versus like the prior five years i'm a way better friend <laughs> like I like I'm able to like be like oh okay like I have the the even though I've gotten more busy like I think I got a time to kind of assess of like okay cool you know this is as important you know because once you just achieve a little bit you're kind of like yeah 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 this is cool but you know being in great friendships being in a healthy relationship all that stuff is arguably as cheesy as it sounds to say it's like it, it's more it is more it actually is more and but but then you know yeah how do you uh, create a life where you can actually do that and center that and balance that you know? yeah, it's hard. yeah I think it's something I think about because like I won't see my family for yeah. like four years and when I come back it's like I know they're kind of like judging my growth as a person so they yeah time, you know not that I'm like trying to be someone that I'm not but yeah. like, I'm very aware that like like, so yeah. I don't get to, they got like this moment to like think about me. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I have to also think about myself. Like yeah. am I better than I was then? Like in what ways? Like how have I how have I grown? How can I like be better to the people around me? How can I like yeah. maximize this situation? How can I like center others rather than just like worry about my own shit? Yeah. So it's like it's not yeah, it's not easy. And it's okay, obviously like you backslide and obviously it's like always something you're trying to grow with. So it's never just like I figured it out now. Yeah. But it's like you do get better at it if if you try to. Are you? Oh, is that good? I think we're good. Oh, I think it just does this like oh, weird. Okay. Um, I know, right? That I like looked over. Me. I saw it the like, first time. The first time I looked at my phone, I like had this look on my face. I was like, oh. so, yeah. Yeah, and I think and I think in a way too, what is evolving is like going from being. You know, I was in. I started off in a sketch comedy group, which yeah. was cool because it was like we're doing things together and then pretty quickly I, I went into solo-ishness of stand-up you know and I think growing that has been cool too from just like okay all I'm focused on is me my 10 minute set then my 20 minute set then my hour set you know that expanding into being in a situation where it's like we're developing five, six shows and, you know, with other people, you know, I'm not the centerpiece. Yeah. That's been a really nice growing experience as well. To kind of like, you know, you understand how to like craft something for yourself and then you say, okay, cool. Like now how do we just take those tools and take all that and, and shift focus? And, and that's been a big personal growth and, and then there's its own growing pains with that too of just figuring out yeah how to support somebody else and, yeah. and you make decisions in a different way 
and part of it is you don't make all the decisions. You know, and so it's like it's like it is it is that too. It's like how do you how do you um, grow that piece? And so that yeah. that's been really fun to just go from the solo act to just working with a lot of people. You know, yeah. and and uh, you know making. Rami is not a solo act. It's like working with a lot of people who, who make that as good as it is with me. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And then, yeah, you get to see, like, how talented those other people when, like, something like, yeah, like, like Mo shows up or something like The Bear shows up. And yep. Holy fucking shit, these people are so good. Like, you know what I mean? It's amazing. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, we're, this ecosystem is like, we're all cutting our teeth yeah. and getting to do this stuff, and then it's going to just, like, fracture out into a million different pieces, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And pieces that, like, I'm sure there's people that are gonna like discover this through that. You know oh I mean? yeah, the people who watch the bear and look up Chris Dorr and then find out about Rami. Yeah. There's people who watch Mo and then find out about Rami. Yeah. There's people who watch Rami and then find out about the bear. Like it's like it's all like that's really exciting. It is really exciting. Yeah. 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 It's really really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah, that's the other thing. Like in terms of learning from those people as well, you know, like yeah, yes, like stand up can be like a very solo act. Writing can be a solo act. Like finding your own voice can be very solo act but then someone like Mo for example is just like he's everyone's friend you know mm-hmm. like everyone wants to be his friend mm-hmm. everyone wants to be as good of a friend to him as they are as he was to them mm-hmm. you know what I mean so like that's also like an amazing part about being around these people you can also yes. learn from them on a personal level not yeah. just like on a creative level like you can support each other and creative yeah. but like I'm sure these like amazing people rub off on you in that way too yeah yeah I mean it's it's, it's really like um, there's I think part of what's been really fun about our ecosystem too is like, you know, yeah, it's, it's that thing that like you'll hear people be like, oh, cats, it's like a family, like whatever. But it's like, that's been, that has been the case. And I think, again, with on camera and off camera people, and we're just all like, we all have, it's a, it feels like a collective. We all have our hands in everyone's um, stuff because we know each other. It's like because there's a knowing on a personal level, it can feed into the creative. And I do think that like part of um, part of also like sharing the same creative spiritual language, right? So it's like you could look at me and Mo and say, oh, you know, there's something that like is helpful to our creative relationship in the fact that we are on a similar spiritual path because they support one another. And that's in it, that 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 also transcends though in name of just faith because I feel the same thing with Chris Storer where it's like we yeah it's about like what's on screen and what we're doing but like as people and friends and like all of that like we really share a spiritual language of you know oh this is how we want to be treating people and this is how we want to be you know building something and this is how we like to talk about things and include people and do all that yeah. so. Yeah, so part of what I'm saying too is Chris Storer is Muslim. Like that's you know that's an important. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> that should like that's that's that, please, first line of the story. Make sure that that's <laughs> Christopher. Say that I, just you can say that just, I have a theory that Christopher Storer is a Muslim. It is not verified, but I Rami have a theory that he is. Um, no, but I'll just be like, okay, repeat these words. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah it's a one it's sentence. It's not a big one deal. One sentence, bro. One sentence. Like, what? How do you not understand? It's just not, one it's not that hard. It's literally one sentence. Um, so. You know, I think sharing, um, that's part of, that's part of what we're trying to build too. You know, it's like, how do we, yeah, how do we navigate all of this 
with that with that uh, level of being together. And I think and I think that there's you know this is part of a larger cultural shift in Hollywood. You know, people want to be treated well. And I think there's more opportunity. There's more access. I think when you look at the way the internet has expanded, voices being found and, 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 and finding people. Um, I think in a healthy way, people in Hollywood feel less untouchable. And I think that that bodes well, ultimately can be something that bodes well for being better to one another. Because sometimes when people feel like they just can't be replaced, they can't be messed with, they can't be whatever, it doesn't motivate them to act in a, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a just way. I think, for me, um, you know, building these relationships isn't, it's not motivated by that fear, you know, it's, it's more motivated by like, I was really lucky, even like my first experience in Hollywood, the first show I was on, everyone was just so kind and so cool and it was such a cool place to work that it was just like, yeah, I just want to have that again. You know, I want to have more of that. And, and 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 I do think that I wouldn't want to go into this and feel like um, yeah, it's, it's it's not fun if you feel like you're becoming like a worse version of yourself. And and that that influences the way we make the show too, right? And I and I feel like I talked about this with you before, but it's like part of you know fantasizing about this like the lower selves of a lot of these characters mm. is part of my ongoing fascination of like, yeah, you don't want to slip into that yeah. in order to get what you want. And yeah. so that's part of what the characters are dealing with, you know, and, and that that is a very direct, like, self, uh, self-therapizing of just kind of like putting that on screen to kind of look at it and say, oh, wow, like, just, you know, you put all these people in a bit of an ambition-filled existence and look at look at the way that they operate and the fears that they operate from. That that's a very real uh, part of the human condition. That's that's what makes it fun to make it comedy and kind of sit in that. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's some excellent insight. Uh, thanks for that, Will. Um, to read the full written feature, um, you can check it out on esquireme.com or in the print magazine, Esquire, Middle East, the January 2023 edition. Um, Top work there, guys. Uh, So we will uh, conclude, as always, with our last segment, the strong opinions, loosely held element of it, um, which is now my uh, callback to the the beginnings work that I I planted uh, at the top of the show. And that is, uh, like Nasri mentioned, maybe it was... 10 years since I've done some like the big one on New Year's Eve. Um, and so we, so I broke that trend and went to see Kylie Minogue at the Atlantis uh, and the Palm. Ungodly numbers of fireworks going off there. It, there was so many fireworks that it was, I, Kylie was amazing by the way, but like the, the fact that like you see some fireworks, then you get bored halfway through and then, you're bored for long enough that it becomes exciting again and it's just still continuing. That shows how long it was. I don't know, 10, 10 15 minutes, uh, five hours, three <laughs> days. I don't know. Time didn't Black factor down. into that moment. Some state you're still watching those fireworks. <laughs> I'm I'm blown away by it, honestly. Like, you know, it's that bit where we, we spoke about this a few shows ago. You know, when you see Burj Khalifa, you still kind of laugh at the size of it, the sheer <laughs> scale of it when you're at the base of it. That many fireworks. 
The point I'm trying to get to is my newly formed strong opinion is the big one on New Year's Eve is a whole thing. And it's worth I shouldn't be having the couch experience. The couch experience is a whole brilliant thing, but that is like 364 days of the year you can do the couch thing. As I do. New Year's is that one kind of shared moment of humanity around the planet where everyone, no race, creed, religion, it's that one moment where the calendars change, something impacts our lives on that level, and it's like, let's let's go big. Yes, it's overpriced. Yes, there's a lot of traffic. Yes, there's a thing. But I suppose it's once you kind of submit to those elements of it, then you're like, ah, it's a unifying thing in a, in a moment where the world is very disunified. Um, am I wrong? Well, I, mean, I, I think maybe the choice of the word submit gets to, I, I, I like, <laughs> I'm probably bad with like authority in general. So like the fact that it's like, we're going to party now, we're all going to do it. You have to do it. Do, do the down. countdown. Party <laughs> in 10 seconds. I'm not going to. I'm going to have my own New Year's and it's going to be January 14th. <laughs> like, I, I, that's probably just the same. Like, you follow the Mayan calendar? <laughs> it's happening, yeah. Mm. Also, 2012, big things are happening. Just watch out for that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like the... The one thing I like is the... Like, at midnight, like, hugging a bunch of random people and going like... Happy New Year, happy like people you like you literally met six minutes ago mm. and you're like, I really hope you have an amazing year. And I'm like, didn't care about them six <laughs> minutes ago. Uh, but like genuinely caring in that moment. Like I do like that. I just wish I could remove everything around it. So like having to get there, having to maybe the solution is having a party at home. The one thing I would say, like I quite enjoy like street stuff. So like if you're just in the street with a bunch of strangers, like I think it's the event aspect. So like Having to show up to a place, having to dress up, all of that, I think, gets on my nerves. But like, just being with a bunch of people in the street and watching fireworks, maybe mm. that's a nice compromise. And you can just do it for those f- 15 minutes and go back home. Yeah, there is like the hopefulness of New Year's is nice. Every single person is thinking like, this is my year. Sure. You know? Or Everyone, either that or think bleep, it's over. Yeah, yeah. true. Right. But like, it's still, it is the main character moment of the entire year mm. every single person is like centering some story that they're beginning now or finishing at that moment mm. it's a scene in everyone's movie sure everyone, like mental story so i think that's fascinating to watch yeah like as i said it is it's the camaraderie is no one enjoys forced fun mm. um but there is that kind of unifying link which is rare and something i in my you know 37 years have been cynical about for about 37 years and 364 days but i wasn't cynical about it that day um it was a it was a it was a a fun commonality maybe it's because it's been 10 years since the last time i went out big yeah um which i believe was watching coldplay in abu dhabi uh where chris martin still owes me an encore by the way because <laughs> yeah. he did this thing like they're on stage and they were doing the countdown and he's like well, for a start, they started from 30. Who starts from 30? Yeah, that's way too long. It's like 30. That's like when someone holds the door for you, but like you're still like a minute away. Like you're holding the door for way too yeah. long. It's fine. I won't like, judge you if you close the door and I have to open it. But by the time Chris Martin's like, he's like 17. <laughs> Everyone's a bit like, ah. And then um, big firework display. Uh, they just finished uh, you know, the last song. And then they left. And when by the, after the fireworks, everyone turned back to the stage. And uh, they, they're gone. And, you know, I don't know. It's one of those, like, not every gig needs to have an encore. But every gig has an encore, yeah, except yeah, yeah. that one. And so he owes me an encore. 
That's fair. Me and like 15,000, you know, Abu Dhabiites. I think it's also, you know, pivoting back to why this was a great, I think it's also just who you're with. If you're with the mm. right person, then everything just feels magical as well. So it's like, it's the company. It's like who you bring along, who you've surrounded yourself with. And I think that's also a cool thing about New Year's because it's like, it does make you think like, who are my people? You know, like who is my priority? And you can kind of center it around that. So it's a great way to, I think, come together with the people that you really, really care about. And so it can be something special if you can create something special together. See, that's beautiful. I literally ditched my best friends and went to watch Kylie with, with the missus. Um, so, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll learn me. Yeah, I had a great time. Though. I was a, yeah, I was with a good group. I, I like a mix of special and random. Hmm. So sure. like a core of, spe- if I am going out, like, spe- um, you know, having a few close friends with you. But also just like people literally, I keep going. To this is like met six minutes ago thing. Because mm. I just like that element of like wishing a stranger mm. some that happiness is a nice thought. And it's kind of weird if you do it at the supermarket, but it's less weird if you're doing it in the context of like we're all celebrating together. So it's not the uh, the event; it's the people. That's what we're saying. Yeah. All right, I'll concede. I won't even begrudgingly concede. I'll just I'll concede. That Maybe it's good. not about the big one. It's the big one if you can surround yourself with like a nice Mrs. and Kylie Minogue, for example. So private yeah. concert yeah. with Kylie Minogue at home. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's Sounds <laughs> wonderful. We love Kylie. Love Kylie. Um, cool. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time, guys. Uh, thanks for you guys for listening. Um, what, does anyone want to get their plugs in? Where can we find our work, our thoughts, our memes, Naz? Very 40-year-old memes are uh, at... Uh, <laughs> Nazri.atala on Twitter. I just did a whole Rolls Royce video, so go watch that on Instagram, Esquire Middle East. Watch me drive around the Phantom Series 2. Wax philosophical about it, because honestly, that car does make me just want to talk about it as I'm driving it, as I did, and it was glorious. I mean, that's that's a great brag. <laughs> like, I, I drive Rolls Royces now. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, honestly, I've seen it. It's great. You should check it out at uh, at WH Malali. Is that correct? I shared it there. Shared it on Esquire. It's on YouTube. Mm, it's a beautiful car. I got to get in that car again. And uh, you can follow me at Mr. Pika uh, on all socials. It depends on how active I am on those socials, which is not really. Um, and also you can check me out on my podcast on this feed called Daddy Issues, where I basically talk about my relationship with my daughter. But not even sure she's aware that that exists. Um, cool. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys on the flip side. Uh, peace. See you. I'll just cough again for once for good more for good measure. <laughs>